Well, welcome to New Hope Church. This is a part of uh, our service where we continue to worship with our finances and we get to uh, use our tithes and offerings. But, you know, they were just talking about the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, how that's just right around the corner. It's almost Thanksgiving. And there's so much to be thankful for. You know, when you talk about families being thankful uh, for each other, I have a um, one of my... Uh, grandchildren just went off to college this past year. And so Marsha was going to go send a package to, to her. And all the cousins want to get together, put a picture or a drawing or, or something in there for, for the cousin. And it's just because they are thankful for each other. They, they love each other. And it kind of reminded me of this church, how we serve and we help each other. We have these uh, food drives and food fights. And by the way, Pastor Ben, I don't know if I would put myself out there to shave my head, but uh, I'm thankful that you do. <laughs> and um, it's just for fun. It's it's family. It's the things that we get to do. And um, that's part of the love that I think the Lord looks down and goes, well done, family, that you love each other. You get to support each other. You get to encourage each other. And um, that's what church is about, do, not forsaking each other, but coming together. But anyway, let's, uh, let's pray for the offering. And uh, I thank you. And I am very thankful for all of you guys. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this time of worship, time to come to know you, time to learn about you. And along with my brothers and sisters here, Lord, I just lift them up to you, Lord. I just ask for your best to be in their lives at all times. I ask that you take the offering that we give with a grateful heart that you use it to reach each individual in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our state, and across the nation, Lord, reaching all those who are lost to come and know you more and more. Lord, we love you, and I just want to praise you. Amen. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, potential. God gave all of us potential, which I am thankful for. Now, just think about coming to know Christ and, and having that new life and what that looks like. God has given us a unique set of gifts and talents, and everybody has at least one gift, one talent. We always say that, that at least we, we all have at least one thing to give to God. We all have at least one gift uh, to give to the world that we can use to glorify God. And sometimes we wonder, like, what, what is my ability? What, what kind of ability do I have? And if you don't know what ability you have, or if you're guessing or second-guessing yourself that I don't have any abilities, go back to God because God will show you what abilities you do have because we all have at least one gift to give. And that's what this series has been about. We're talking about God's mission for us and how he has given us a life to live. And God saw everything from beginning to end, and he knew that your life story could be used for him. Just think of our life story because everyone has a life story. Some of you know my life story. Heidi and I met. I was 12. She was 13. We were teenage parents. We got married when I was 19. She was 20. And then here we are. I'm 40-something. And, and she's wonderful. <laughs> Got to be careful about the age of the women for some reason. But when you're, whenever you continue to grow and you continue to learn about the things of God, never underestimate what God can do through simple through a simple lifestyle that wants to represent him. 
God can use us in phenomenal ways. So when God saw our life from beginning to end, he also saw that this life story that we are living out can be used for him. Some of us know of it as a testimony, that we have a testimony for the Lord. That, and, and, and a basic testimony is, I was, I was like this, I came to know Christ, and now my life is different. And whatever this past life looked like, this is no longer us. But the powerful thing is God can still use what we've been through to help other people. And the Bible even says that the, the things that you and I will go through and that the things that we've gone through, someone else is going through the same thing that we now can help them with. Have you ever had people come up to you and, and as they're talking to you and they're like, oh man, my life is falling apart. My husband is this, my wife is this, my children. And so they may be going through those things. In your head, you're thinking, wow, that's, that's my life story too. Like, that's exactly what happened to me. Really? That happened to you? Yeah. That happened just like, I mean, same thing. Really? Well, well, how come your life is all together? Oh, no, my life is not all together. No, but like you're so happy. Oh, no, I'm only happy because of this. And then you share what God did in your life. See, God uses even the, the darkest times of our life for his good. Only God can do something like that. He has a mission for all of us. And that's to reach people for him. If we talk about the, the vision of this church and this being vision week, it's pretty simple. That we're here to reach people who are far from God one relationship at a time. What that means is the life that God gave to you and the life that he gave to me can be used for him. One relationship at a time. That, he, that the people that you're going to reach are people that not too many people can reach. In fact, there may be people in your life that only you can reach, that no one else can reach for God. And God put you there for a specific reason. Created you in a unique way, to function in a unique way, to reach certain kinds of people. Have you ever said to yourself, or even looked at yourself in the mirror and said, man, I don't like myself because of this. I have these flaws. Or why can't I be like so-and-so? Can you just redefine that and the next time you feel yourself putting yourself down, stop and say, wait a minute, I am like this because there are going to be people that are just like me that God wants me to reach. God created us in a specific way for a specific reason. And God does everything perfect. Everything he does is done with perfection. Today we want to talk about maximum potential. In other words, what that means is God gave us potential. It deeply embedded in us is a, a, a seed of potential that he wants to grow. He wants to mature and he wants us to bear fruit or to become successful in this life. Not in the way the world defines success, but the way God defines success. And with that uniqueness and that potential that lay hidden, God wants us to release that so that we can be effective for him. Maximizing our potential takes some work, but with God, all things are possible. In fact, there is a life in the Bible, a man by the name of Daniel, who's going to show us what it looks like to maximize our potential. Now, I'm not going to read the whole entire book of Daniel, but if you ever have time to read the book of Daniel, read it. Pretty interesting. And you may not understand everything, but you'll catch kind of the story behind Daniel's life. I'll read just the first chapter, Daniel chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But in Daniel chapter 1, it, it kind of sets up kind of the scene of what it looks like to maximize our potential. So this is in the third year 
of the reign of Jehoiakim, who is the king of Judah. Judah is one of the tribes of Israel. And the people of God, who are the Jews, are now being taken captive. So there's a whole unique situation that is happening here that seems undaunting for the Jews to live under. But it's during that time that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure, of, uh, the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So the king was preparing them, uh, nourishing them, and teaching them a new way to live their custom, their culture. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed, agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Ten times better. Talk about maximum potential. Talk about coming into the service of the king and wanting nothing more than to maximize who they were. And so Daniel made some decisions that we're going to learn from in how we can maximize our potential with God. You know, when Heidi and I first came to know the Lord, uh, it was uh, in the later 80s and then 1990s that I came to know Jesus. And I remember 
saying this. I said, Lord, you saved me from the pits of hell. What can I do for you? God, is there a way that I can serve you? What can, what can I do for you? And so the Lord gave me a vision of what my life could be. And he said, part of it is you're going to use the gifts and talents that I've given to you, your voice, your abilities for me. You're going to serve me. And I thought, there's no greater joy. You, you, you came to set me free. I have, so to even give you back, I would love to serve you. What does that look like? And he says, well, what does your life look like right now? And I thought, oh, boy, I, I can't serve you right now because I'm not doing things that is a good example. So I, I, don't, I don't know how to serve you. What, what must I do? That's what I felt like. Like, what, what do I have to do to serve you? And he says, well, just fall in love with me more and more. And let me take care of everything else. So one thing he did is he gave me a heart for a youth. So I wanted to serve in the youth ministry. So I, I prayed and I said, okay, God, I want, I want to serve in the youth ministry. He's, so he said, he's, God is so good. He said, so you want to be an example for the youth? I said, yes. Are you an example right now? No, I'm not. Okay, so here's what we're going to work on. So what God did, and I, I liken it to, um, I liken it to, I'll just use this. This is, um, we'll say B.C., that's before Christ. And then AC, after Christ, and then so forth. So in, in the days before Christ, all of these points here are like areas in my life that I could improve on. Whether I was drinking alcohol, uh, my language needed to clean up, I had to do other things in my life and get rid of certain things, which we try, right? We try to get rid of the things that uh, don't represent God well. Try to get rid of those things, but I just couldn't. But this is what I found out. Instead of trying to stop doing bad things, right? We, 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 that's what we try to say. If I can just stop doing bad things. Or, and this is what I found was to be better, what if I start loving God? What if I, what if I just start falling in love with you? Because if I start falling in love with you, I won't have to worry about stop doing these other things. For instance, when I fell in love with Heidi, it was easy for me to stop doing other things. Why? Because I so love Heidi. So in the beginning of our marriage, when she would complain to me every single day, every single day, Pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt, pick up your shirt, pick up your, pick up your shirt. Like, like every single day, every moment. Is this your socks? I hope that's my socks. What, uh, what other men are in this house that that's not my socks? So every single, and complain after complain. So that's what I felt like, complaining, complaining, complaining. Then I thought, wait a minute. That's my clothes. <laughs> So God gave me wisdom. He said, hey, 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 what if we did this? Because I know you're, you're, you're praying to me. You're saying, have Heidi stop complaining. To what if you did this? Do you love Heidi? Yes, I do. Then how about you pick up your shirt? Because if you pick it up, there's nothing for her to complain about. So I tested it. I tested it one day. I put my shirt on the ground. And I thought, wait a minute. If I pick that up, let's see if she's going to complain. Picked it up, put it in the, in the hamper because there's a hamper that there's clothes in it. 
That's where it goes. That's what she would say to me. There's a hamper and clothes goes in it. First couple times I miss. It's right on the side. So baby steps, right? It's close to the hamper. Never make them. But still yet, it's closer. But still complaining. Your shirt is on the ground. Yeah, but it's by the hamper. But it's not in the hamper. Next time, almost in the hamper. It was like hanging right on the edge. Just thrown right on top. I don't know why it's in me not to just put it in. So I just left it there. And same thing. At least throw it all the way in. I'm like, but it's, it's right there. Why don't you just flip it in? It's not, it's not that hard, Heidi. She goes, I know. <laughs> okay. So no more complaints. No more complaints. There was, there, was, there was zero complaints of my shirt being on the ground. Zero. Why? There's nothing to complain about. I thought, God, you are a genius. This is genius. Now I know some of you are laughing. You're like, oh, that's something as simple as a shirt. You try to pick up your shirt every day. Maybe you do. Maybe right now it's an issue. Maybe right now you're upset at me because I pointed it out. And now your wife is like, see, you can pick up your own shirt. What are you, two? And I would agree with Heidi. She's like, well, what are you, two years old? Maybe. Like, just, just to, just to, you know, just to, just get under her skin, too. But, you know, as time goes on, all of those little things, giving up certain things, is easier when you love. Easier. So instead of us looking at our mistakes and our flaws and, 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 and kicking ourselves in the head saying, why, why can't I stop doing this? We can start loving Jesus. We can start loving God. We can start delighting in the things of God because the more we delight in him, all of the other things he'll take care of. Amen. It'll be so much easier. Why? Because we're not operating under the strength and motive of love. Love never fails. That's what the Bible tells us. So you want to maximize your potential? Start with God. That's what Daniel did. That's what his friends did. They understood what it meant to be 10 times better. And it's not so that we can be 10 times better than someone else or, or so that we maximize our potential so that someone else looks bad. It's so that we can become the person God made us to be. I looked at it this way. Let's just say God wants to use us for a specific uh, reason and, and God is looking at our life. Let's just say this is our life. And he says, I, I want you to not just grow up, but I want you to move up. I want you to excel. I want you to do better. I, wa I want to maximize your potential. Then there are going to be things here and boundaries and certain things that he says, you can now give this up because you're now drawing closer to me. You're falling more in love with me. So all of these old BC things, the things that used to tear you down, the negative things, the things that, that you were doing that were displeasing to me, you can give that stuff up. For me, it was drinking alcohol. It was, it was the language that I would use, foul language and whatever movies I would watch. It's like, I got to give that stuff up, but I don't know how to, Lord. Don't worry about that. Fall in love with me. Fall in love with me. I'll take care of these things. And this is what God did. He just took away the desires of the things that were pulling me away from him. Just no longer had a desire for those things. Because you're now consumed with everything of God. There is no more desire for other things. Oh, there is still temptation. There are still, you'll, you'll feel enticed. But because you love God more, you have no problem. 
It's just like any relationship. When you love someone, you have no problem with these other things. Easy to put those things on the side. Why? Because you love the person. Same thing with God. And that's what Daniel did. In Daniel chapter 1, we just read it in verse 20. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Yeah, the king found them to be 10 times better, which meant there were other people that were qualified, but the king saw them as, wait a minute, these guys, they're, they're set apart. Why? Because these guys loved God. And God designed each and every one of us to reach a, a, to reach a, a potential that he gave to us that is only maximized with him. And we can all reach our maximum potential by living the way God designed us to live. And here's what we can learn from the life of Daniel and even his friends. Here's the first thing, if you want to write anything down, that we're going to have to make some wise decisions. Some wise decisions. Not right and wrong, wise and unwise. If we only base life on making right and wrong decisions... You can make a right decision, but it was wrong. But if you look at what is wise and unwise, now there's no justification. Now we can make decisions based on the purposes of God and who he is and the love of God. In, in our marriage for Heidi and I, the, the things that we had to give up and, and even the boundaries that we have, for instance, when we think about making wise decisions, one of the first things that we did for Heidi and I when technology started to take over, right? Passwords to emails, uh, passwords to your phone, social media. One of the first things for Heidi and I was we, we, we must have each other's passwords. Not because we didn't trust each other. It was so that our boundaries and our, our life and relationship had, had, was above board, that was above reproach, that there was nothing hidden, that we we're open and honest with each other. And now it's facial recognition. So, so if you want to get into like, your spouse's phone, when they go sleep, you got to open their eye and, <laughs> okay, it's on. Like so, privacy and security is a major thing today. But it shouldn't be between spouse or spouses. It shouldn't be between one another. If I got to hide something from my wife, something's wrong. But those are the things that we had to look at in making wise decisions. Even for our family, what was, what was that going to look like? What, what would our family look like as they were growing up? How we were going to discipline. And you always had one, you know, in, in the family, you had one who was the disciplinary one. I mean, the fuse is short. There's, there's no fuse it's just, oh, get the stick, lickens. And then, and then in the room. And then the other one's like, honey, calm down. Just, just let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk, this, let's talk it out. Talk. I pal talk. I'm done talking. I was talking for 18 years. No, I'm done talking. Yeah, but, you know, our, our child is only six years old. Right? Six years old. You had six years to think about this to, to this day. Six years. And so you, you had, you know, you have the one who is, one very disciplinary, one who is very lenient. Now you choose who that person is in your family. Who's the disciplinary one? Who's the lenient one? Because you're going to have one or the other. But even in that, we have to decide what kind of decisions are we going to make? How are we going to parent? 
What things are we going to give up? Attending church was a big one for Heidi and I. Her dad, before I moved up here, said, I cannot move into their house unless I go to church. I was like, you cannot make me go to church. Well, if you met Heidi's dad, yeah, he can make me go to church. (laughs) Well, he passed away about 10 years ago, but what he was doing was letting me know that there is a greater purpose to my life. But that was one of the decisions that we had to make was we're going to be people who gather together with other believers because the Bible says don't give up this habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's amazing that even till this day, church like this is not outdated at all. Some people think it is. Some people think, oh, I don't need to go to church. I get the app. You get the app. What the app going to do? See, we use technology to help us, but it is not the means in which our Christianity is built. Christianity is built on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and relationships with one another. That's what it's built upon. That's why we're called the church. That's who we are. It's not a place we go to. It's just who we are. Without us as the people, this is not a church. It's a a building So to make wise decisions for Heidi and I, it was, we're going to go to church. And then to serve, I just thought, Lord, I want to serve you at max potential. How do I do that? Well, there are some things that I had to give up. For Heidi and I, when we were going to serve in the youth ministry, we were living together, we weren't married, and I thought, you know what, Lord, this is not a good example, so Heidi, let's get married. So we got married, and then, well, it was either that or move out. So I said, let's get married. I ain't moving out. <laughs> I knew we were going to get married. We were together for seven years. We had a child by that point, And we knew that God was going to do something great. So instead of us saying, you know, I want to serve God, but I, I can't because I'm living with Heidi, I thought, fix that. The greater purpose was pleasing God, not me. So if I want to maximize my, my potential, it's not my decision. It's, Lord, what is the best decision? What is the wisest decision? And once he gives that wisdom, obey him. Because with that come the blessings of God. You want to be blessed by God? Do it God's way. It's very simple. The Bible is very simple. Some things are hard to understand. Stories and things. But the principles of God? Unbelievable. It's the best blessed life to live. The ways of God. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. It says that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel did that. He resolved within himself. And he said, there are some things that I'm just not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise who I am in God. I'm going to reach my maximum potential. Therefore, I'm not going to defile myself. And those are decisions that we can make. Second thing is that we were, we're going to have to go through some tests. Every one of us are going to go through tests. You may feel like you go through a test every single day, which it could be. Right now, you might be in a season that you're like, man, this is, this is a test. I'm going through a test. But if you've been going through a test for five years, that's no longer a test. That's now your life. Like if, if it started off as a test but you just stayed there and you made it your lifestyle? Don't you think God is waiting for you to pass this test for a greater reason? 
It's like taking our driver's test, right? Driver's license. You get your permit. You got the little temporary one. You're feeling all good. It's like, oh, I got a temporary license. I can drive with someone. And then you're, now you're driving with someone. And then you're going to take the driver's test. You're going to be in the car. You're going to drive like how you're supposed to. You're not like, you know, one hand on the wheel. You're driving how you're supposed to. You're so attentive to everything. And then the person is there with the clipboard. And you're like, please don't write anything. Please don't write anything. But you run a couple stop signs, a couple stop lights. You parallel park, bang a couple cars. And you're like, so how did I do? It's like, no, you didn't, you didn't pass. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, you ran a couple stop lights, some stop signs, bang a couple cars. So, yeah, you didn't pass. Well, can I take my test again? Yeah, sure. And, and as some time passes by, you can pass, uh, you can take the test again. Yay! Then you take the test again. Run through stop lights, stop signs, bang a couple cars. You fail again. But you can take the driver's test again. Now, after a while, if you keep running stop signs, stop lights, and keep banging cars, you think that's the life. You're like, look at me, I'm driving. I don't even have to stop at stop signs or stop lights. I can even bang cars and I can still drive. No, you're still in the test. You have yet to prove that you can actually drive. And then if you do pass the test, you receive what is called a driver's license. But having a driver's license, does that mean you know how to drive? Not really. Look at how we drive. We all have, well, most of us have license. And do you see how we drive on the road? We're breaking laws all the time. Not me, because I'm a pastor, but you as... <laughs> Be careful of my confessions. But we do. We, the license doesn't say we're a good driver. The license says you pass the test. You have to constantly make decisions to drive well. We're always being tested as we drive. We're always being tested as we live. We're always being tested. The test that God brings our way is not so that we fail, it's so that we pass for the greater goal. See, the, the goal, you know when you take your driver's test, the goal is not the license. That's not the goal. It's a part of the goal. The greater goal is that you'll get your license so that you can transport your physical body somewhere to work, to school, to go shopping, to pick up children, uh, to drop off children, to take them to practice, to run errands. You use a vehicle for these things. So there's a greater goal. Take your family on vacation. There's a greater goal. It's not the license itself. So it is when we go through tests in life you may pass a test, but it's not just to pass that test. It's so that I can become a better husband, so that you can become a better wife, so that you can parent better. God helps us to pass through these tests for the greater goal ahead. So whatever tests come our way, thank God that we're in this test so that we pass for the greater things ahead. Whenever you're in a test, thank God because there's something greater coming up. As difficult as that test is, you're going to learn something great to maximize your potential. Daniel chapter 1, verses 11 through 15. Daniel says to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, he said, please test your servants. In, in other words, Daniel welcomed the test. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. 
At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Wouldn't that be something that as, as we are tested by God and, and as God takes us through different tests, that we will come out of these tests healthier, more nourished spiritually than any other time in our life. That we would look back at our, our, our before Christ days and we would thank God because I'm not like that anymore. That God, you excelled me to a place of greater good that now I can become even more the person you see me to be. That you've chipped everything away that is not of you like a master sculptor does to a granite block of stone or a, 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 just a, a piece of stone that the master looks at and says, I, I see a masterpiece in there and starts chipping away everything that doesn't belong there and lo and behold after a while has this beautiful masterpiece. Why? Because the master could see what was in that block of granite and chipped away everything that didn't belong there which is what God does so well. Don't be discouraged when you go through tests. Don't, don't feel like a failure when things aren't going your way. If you're going to fail, fail forward. Because God is he's up to the greater good. He's always up to something for the greater good. The test that we go through, let him have his way. It's for what is to come, to qualify us for what is to come. That's why we have, if you're in school, you have midterms, you have tests, you have exams. Before you go to college, you got to prep yourself to go to college. Even when you're in college, you have different tests that you go through. Why? It's to qualify you for the greater things ahead. Because you're pursuing something. You're going to have to go through tests. You and I, we're going to go through them. As a church, we're going to go through tests. But God goes through the tests with us. The last thing is that we're going to have to develop some godly habits. Godly habits. We all have habits. Nothing wrong with habits. We all have them. So developing habits is not a problem. It's developing godly habits that become a problem. That's where it's difficult in developing habits for us. It's, it's the godly habits. Just think about the habits that we have. Our, our brain doesn't even have to work when we're in our habit. Why? Because that's what a habit is. Our brain goes to sleep because it's automatic. It's like driving to, the, to your home for years because that's where you lived. That's just your habit now. And then you move from one home to the next you, every once in a while, you'll still drive the same way, and you're like, where am I going? Oh, I'm going to my old house. Why? Because your brain went to sleep and operated on habit. Well, the Bible tells us to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. In other words, we're going to discipline our life so that we can develop godly habits. And the godly habits are there so that we can maximize our potential. God wants us to be maximum in the potential that he has given to us. So I want to give you a couple of godly habits just for some practical things. One is spending time in the word of God. It's just being in the word of God. The word is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, there's nothing like the Bible when it comes to living our life because it's living and active. It, it helps us to discern between what is wise and what is unwise. Amen. We call it doing our devotions. 
We have Bibles at our resource center. We have uh, journals at our resource center that you can pick up. Invest in your spiritual walk with God. Invest in developing godly habits. Praying, which is the, this is the, it's, it's so, uh, smart is not even the word. Wise is not even the word. But that's the only words that I can think of behind how God wired us up in this thing called prayer. That the greatest technology that God gave to you and I is prayer. You can pray to God at any time. You can pray to God even when you're tired. You can pray to God when you're scared, when you're alone. You can pray to God when other people are around. He can hear your thoughts. You can pray to him without even speaking a word. This is, this is the greatest technology humans can ever know of. That we can connect with God even in a room where other people say we cannot connect with God. Even in a place where people may say, we don't want you praying here. No one can stop you from praying. And we stay connected to God that way. But that's part of our godly habits. We can pray to God. Worship is another godly habit. Now we can worship God. We can worship him freely. Fasting is another one. Serving him. Serving God is another godly habit. Some of, some of you serve here, and that's great. Uh, tithing, for Heidi and I, when we, had to make, when we were making these decisions on, on the, the things in our marriage, tithing was a big thing. We had to pray about it. We said, God, why should we tithe? And there's a whole teaching that we can get into on that, but the reason why for Heidi and I was, one, we wanted to put God first, and whatever you want God to bless, put him first in. And this is the only place when it came to tithing that God said to test him in. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. He said, bring all the tithes into my storehouse so that there will be enough food. And see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. So much that my blessings will overtake you. And he said, test me now in this. And we did. And for the 30 years that we've been serving him, God has never been unfaithful. He has always been faithful to provide, always. And it was a decision that we made as a godly habit. It's a habit. It's a part of who we are. There's no other option than to give to him. And we see the bigger picture. We see eternal lives at stake. What a joy it is to give to God, knowing that the gifts we give to him are being invested into the lives of people here, through live stream, around the world, in our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and generations to come. Only God can do that. So we trust him in that. Attending church was another godly habit. And I thought, wait a minute, Lord, I gotta, I gotta have something in my life that keeps me connected with you and with people. And it was attending church. It was being here on Sundays. It was just a part of who we wanted to be and, and part of our godly habits. And sometimes we missed and, you know, things happen, but we get back because this is our family. This is the family of God, so we want to be around our family. Did we have difficulties along the way? Absolutely. Were there difficult people? Absolutely. Not you guys, but long time ago. But not now anymore nowadays. Everybody's good. But when you think of the church and who God designed us to be and how we are to function, 
aren't we better together? We're much better together. We sharpen one another. That's who God called us to be. We sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron. It, it works in our marriage too. You know when the Bible says that God created woman and she's the helper? I used to think, okay, the woman, the helper, she's going to help me clean up. She's going to help me wash dishes. She's going to help me cook. She's going to oh, help me do plenty of things. She can help. You know what I'm learning in marriage? And if you've been married for a while, you would know this to be true. That my wife Heidi helps me to become more the person God made me to be. That, that's, that's the role of the wife. That you help us become more the person God made us to be. That's, that's the, the definition of, of being the helper. That you're able to do that. And just think about how God wired us up as believers. That we can do that for one another. It's part of the vision of us being here at this church. That as we, as individuals, excel, as we maximize our potential, so does the entire church. Which affects our community, our families, our city, our nation, our world. This is how God designed us. This is who we are as a church. So you're going to develop your godly habits, but develop them. Look for those godly habits. And those are just some basic ones to help kind of get things started if you're at that point where, boy, I got to develop some godly habits. In the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verses 3 and 10, this is Daniel's habits. It says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, which was that they were going to kill all of those who had these gifts because they, they didn't uh, let the king know the dream that the king was going to annihilate them. When Daniel learned of this decree, he went home to his upstairs room where the window was open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I slow down on that part of the sentence because that part is very critical. See, it would make sense that when Daniel learned that the king was going to annihilate them, it would make sense that Daniel would go home and pray three times a day. You would too. Many of us have done that. Something happens in our life. We're like, I got I to gotta read the Bible. I got to go to church. I got to pray. But we never did that before or maybe sporadically. So it makes sense that we would do that. But what Daniel did is he just did what he always did. Why? Because that was his godly habit. He was always praying three times a day as he had done before. So by the time this catastrophe came, he was already ready to go. He was already prayed up. He was ready because he already had this godly habit. I would pray that we would develop godly habits, not because something bad happened, but when things happen, we're, we've already been developing this godly habit so that we're not taken down in our life. The situation is taken care of, but we don't go down with the negative things that come our way we're still able to be strong and continue to maximize our potential. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it tells us now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. 
All glory to God who is able. That word who is able comes from the Greek word dunamai. That word dunamai means strong, powerful, capable. And the reason why that word is used is because God is strong. He's capable. He's powerful. That word dunamai is actually a word that Alfred Nobel, when he was, he's a bridge builder, Nobel Peace Prize, where he would, they would use black powder to blow things up, but he wanted something more powerful. Nitroglycerin wasn't going to do, it was uncontrolled. So he had to think of a new way to blow things up, which they came out with another formula, which could control the blasts. It was more powerful than black powder. And it can control the blast when they would build things or, or uh, begin to build bridges. He called it dynamite after this word, dunamai, from the Greek word, which is the same word that is used that he is able, dunamai. In other words, God is that powerful to accomplish infinitely, exceedingly more abundant than what we could possibly imagine or even think of. So if you think of your life as maximum capacity, what would that look like? What would that look like for you as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a family? Like if God were to maximize our potential as individuals, what would our life look like? What would our families look like, our community, this church, to maximize our our potential? In other words, God is saying, you do it my way, I can do things a lot better. You just got to trust in me. I want to close with this, and, and Jamie, you can come to the keyboard. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 10. Paul the Apostle, who is being used by God in a, in a very powerful way, is encouraging the churches, different churches that have been planted and, and pastors that have been raised up. He comes to the church, the Thessalonian church, And he says, finally, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, he says this, that you excel still more. For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in all Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more more and what Paul was saying is there's still more in you you're not done yet you have potential that God has given to you and that's what I want to say to all of us today to excel still more there's so much more that God has in you things that you have not seen yet no eye has seen no ear has heard that the, the potential that God has given to all of us is is only possible through him because he is able he's the dynamite that works in our life and he's going to release that But it's our responsibility to make those decisions. To say, God, I want to make some wise decisions. I I want to follow your ways because that's the best way to live. Maximize my potential. And he'll do it. Excel still more. And as we close in prayer, that's what I want to pray for all of us. That we would maximize our potential. And be the person God made us to be. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the bigger picture of, of who we're becoming in you. 
And even right now, Lord, we may even have been feeling certain things that you've just been, you've been chipping away at us. You just, just, little by little, you've been chipping everything that is not of you. And it hurts sometimes because we're, we want to hang on to the old. But Lord, the new is coming. So we want to partner with you and cooperate with you in what you're doing. So help us to make wise decisions that as we develop these godly habits, as we do our very best to excel still more, that we would look to you and follow you. So thank you again for being a God who sees more in us. And I pray for all of us that at any given time, if there are things that weigh us down and, and things that we see that begin to pull us back and we're reminded of our past or some mistakes that we made, those are tests too, Lord. We've got to pass those tests so that we can move on to the, the next step in this journey with you. Empower us today, Lord. Be the dunamai in our life so that we can maximize our potential. Thank you again for being a limitless God who loves us dearly and loves us so much, was willing to die for us so that we could reach our maximum potential. We look forward to what you're about to do. We pray this in your precious and powerful name. And we all said together, amen.